Calling all AEC professionals. Get ready for unparalleled professional insights with detailed and original podcasts by RCAT. This is the podcast that brings you the untold stories and lessons learned behind the design and delivery of a building project. Hey, it's Sharice Lakeside, aka the CSI Kraken, and your host. Join me as we dive deep into the tales of conflict, triumph, and sheer ingenuity. Yeah, so when Serena was named for the, it was going to be named for the building, you know, we really were able to work with teams at Nike Branding and how to really infuse her influence and identity in the very public spaces. Detailed features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who spill the beans on the most complex, interesting, and downright odd building conditions they've encountered. Another challenge of the of the shuttle is actually and putting it in launch position is how you brace that seismically. It's really supported by only two pins at the base of the booster rockets. And there's a large base isolator that's underneath the shuttle that kind of prevents it from moving too much in an earthquake. The, you know, when you have 600 people or 300 people in a room, acoustically, you really need a high floor to floor so that you can have the right acoustic environment for people to be able to talk and that, that speech intelligibility is really good. Every episode unveils lessons learned and connects you to the products you need to navigate similar challenges. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Detailed today and be prepared for the unexpected on your next project. Every building has a story and we are here to tell it. Or is there some Virginia thing you want me to say? No. I don't know Virginia slang. I just know Missy Elliott's from there. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one later at a time. This season's theme is places we've called home, which means we are sharing the stories of ladies that are from or have lived in the places that we have called home. Rather, we've lived there for a decade, two months, or two weeks. Places that were home to us. So today, we will tell the story of Ethel Bailey Carter Furman, the first Black woman to practice architecture in Virginia. I'm Jessica Rogers, celebrating International Harry Potter Day by binging the movie series, based out of Miami, Florida. Hey there, I'm Lizzie Rahr, wishing I had some butterbeer in San Francisco. Mmm, and I'm Nergeri Rivas, still wanting to be the Ravenclaw version of Hermione when I grew up in Houston, Texas. <laughs> All right, now for our disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find about each of these women. If we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us. Leave us a comment and we'll all continue learning together. Okay, ladies and listeners, I have a confession to make. Oh, spill it. I'm ready. Okay, so like, remember how, you know, way back then, whenever I had introduced myself, I would say that I was based in Washington, D.C.? I do. Well, what I really meant to say was that I was actually based out of Virginia, specifically Arlington, Virginia, which was like just five to ten minutes outside of the city. You know, but my office where I worked at the time was located in D.C. OK, I recall. So you basically lied to us. Eh, 
maybe, but that's why I'm confessing now. Because oh. technically my home for almost the five years was Arlington, Virginia. Just Virginia. Like when I first moved to work in D.C., I lived in Fairfax. That was just like 20 to 30 minutes from D.C. But today's story will actually take place in Richmond, Virginia, which is like two hours away from Arlington. And maybe I might have gotten my hair braided in Richmond at one point. (laughs) But yeah, in today's episode, we are going to the place that charged me property taxes for my car, the state of Virginia. (laughs) Wow. What an intro. All right. You're forgiven. Thank you. Thank you. Now we can begin. So on July 6th, 1893, Ethel Madison Bailey was born. Her father was Madison J. Bailey. And he would be the second licensed black contractor in Richmond. Oh, that's cool. So she was born into the industry, sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keeping it in the family. Yes, I know. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Ethel is considered to be a pioneer of black women in architecture. So it's kind of cool to think that her father was also somewhat of a pioneer in his own way. Yeah, it sounds like he was a really great role model for her in that sense. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I hope that he was supportive of his daughter entering his industry, too. He was. Yay! Yay! Yes. So this actually reminds me of an article that I read on uh, Madame Architect. That was written by friend of the show, Kate Regev. Hey, girl, hey. Hello. So in this article, Kate is talking about these privileges that ladies were given so that they could still be the first. In this article in particular, she mentions Ethel and also mentions some of our previous ladies like Georgia Louise, Norma Scalari, Beverly Lorraine. All of these ladies came from families that had, quote unquote, means, which allowed them to go off and do great things. And the same can also be said about some of our other ladies that we've talked about, like Marianne Van Griswold, our season one lady, or even the richest little girl in the world, Doris Duke, and countless others. Of course, it's interesting to draw these correlations. We've discussed before how we are not all in the same starting line, Mm -hmm. and that's just life. But it's important to acknowledge these topics and figure out what we want to do about it. Yeah. Yes. So in the case of Ethel, Her father was really encouraging and supportive. He would take her to construction sites. Their family home was also served as his office. So Ethel really had the opportunity to learn about the industry, like materiality. She would learn techniques and just basically all things construction. So she even got to do some drafting for him as well. Whoa, that sounds like really great experience. And she was really lucky to have that because her dad was well known and working in the profession. Yeah, I'm glad it turned out that he was a supportive dad. You know, my grandpa was a contractor, but he passed away when I was still too young to learn anything relating to construction. I often regret missing out on that education with him. Oh, sad. Yeah, my dad's dad. Didn't know that. Okay, so in my research, when talking about Ethel, they always start with like similar things. Like they start with her birth, then they go to her studies and work, and then they just sprinkle a little bit about her personal. But when I'm looking at the dates, there's something interesting going on. So let me break down what's going on in Ethel's life. Okay. Okay, so boom, October 12th, 1912. Ethel has already graduated high school and married her first husband, William H. Carter, in New Jersey. She is 19, and they have two kids. 
first husband, 19, two kids. What's mm-hmm. going to happen? Mm-hmm. Whoa, that escalated quickly. Like, are these kids twins? I have the most questions about the fact that she has two children. Like, that's where I'm that's where my head is caught in more than anything else. Like two children by the time she's 19. Like young marriage. Sure. It was the time. Right. But like, yeah, two babies. Yeah, exactly. So in my research, you know, I'm trying to find the story. Like there's not that much drama or anything that I can tell. But also, like, this is where I differ as a historian is because I want to know these little details about her personal life. Like, where's the tea? Like, (laughs) what? Like, they just popping out babies and stuff. But anyway, so it's 1912. And then in 1915, Ethel will move to New York City. And in New York City, she is learning about architecture because there wasn't a school back then to teach black women about architecture. So. In this case, she is going the route of some of our ladies, not necessarily a degree, but she is doing apprenticeships and she has private tutors and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. so episode six lady Beatrix Farron, she actually hired a professor from Columbia to teach her surveying and drafting because they wouldn't let her into the actual school since she was a lady. Mm -hmm. So she had to figure Uh, it out on her own. Exactly. You will also recall episode eight, Beverly Lorraine Green. She wouldn't go to school until 1936 and Georgia Louise Harris Brown, she would graduate with her degree only until 1944. I do now. Yes, I mean, season one episodes, but. All right. So back to Ethel. She is learning all the things. And in 1918, Ethel divorces her husband, William, and then marries another fellow by the name of Joseph D. Furman, a Pullman porter for the New York Central Railroad. Together, they would have a son. Wow. Her personal life is just flying by before my eyes. Was the ink (laughs) even dry on the divorce papers before she got married? Barely. Like, Mm -hmm. who cheated on who? (laughs) What just Mm -hmm. happened? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, my money's on Ethel with that quickie divorce, though. I mean, more likely Ethel married the first person she met in Virginia, right? And then Mm -hmm. she goes to New York City and she's like, whoa, there's a lot more options going on over here. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Anyway, we are now in 1921. Ethel decides to move back to Virginia to practice. While she's in Virginia, she's starting to design primarily private residences. And a lot of the time she would also partner with her father as he is the general contractor. Oh, fun. I like that they got to work together on projects. This is lovely. Yes. Well, being a black woman in what is America in the South, like Virginia, Ethel had her fair share of discrimination. Even with all her beans, this was still the United States in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. She's a lady. She's black. It could get hostile. Yep. Oh, yes. So submitting plans for her was a hassle. So she would actually send her male contractors to submit work to the local administrators. Oof. Unfortunately, that isn't all that surprising. Right. So the good thing is, is that this didn't stop Ethel, right? In her lifetime, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Ethel would have had about 200 projects under her built. Impressive. Wow. So in 1923, one of her earlier projects would be the home of Lawrence Douglas Wilder. 
he would become the first black governor of a U.S. state since the Reconstruction era. So she did this project with her papa. Very cool. Will we get to see pictures of the house in the show notes, Jessica? I'm going to keep looking because I have yet to see it. So listeners, this is a good opportunity to check out our show notes to see if I did find it. (laughs) You see, Ethel, she hung around the black elites. So with her father being a prominent builder contractor at the time, all of the wealthy elites in Virginia would turn to either her or her father for their construction needs. Okay, Ethel. Playing with the big folks now. Bum, bum. Excellent. Now, in the article that I mentioned earlier, it was stated that Ethel worked with mostly the black community because she was limited to this specific group, right? Those were probably the only opportunities available to her in the Jim Crow era. Yeah, for sure. Yep. This also reminds me of our episode to Lady Norma Merrick Scholaric. Ethel was being discriminated against twofold for being black and for being a woman. Yeah, it's so tough for black women. I'm telling you, it can get hostile. Yeah. But as I mentioned earlier, Ethel would design close to 200 projects. These would include houses, churches and civic buildings. So at first, it sounded a little disheartening to think that Ethel was restricted, but she wasn't. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire, all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA continuing education services provider. Upon completion, we handle everything from reporting your hours directly to the AIA to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. In my research, I found that she was very connected within her local community, and it was through her connections that she was able to continue her career. Well, we can only imagine if she might have had more opportunities, would she have built more or more diverse projects? Who knows? But honestly, you're right. She was not hindered by the era. She was able to work just like most architects do, but by word of mouth and references. Yeah, I'm so glad that she was able to still have such a prosperous career, which I'm sure was not the story for many Black women then, right? But it's true what Mm Norjiti said. Think of how much she could have done if she wasn't limited by that. Exactly. So I mentioned the first black governor earlier as like a prominent figure that would be a client of Ethel's. But another prominent figure that Ethel was buddy buddies with was a businesswoman named Maggie Walker. Who that? So Maggie, she would charter a bank called St. Luke Penny Savings Bank in Richmond. She would become the president of that bank, making her the first black woman in the U.S. to serve as a president of a bank. Oh, That sounds very, very cool. Also, did she come up with that name? Because I would open an account there just because I like the name. It's catchy. (laughs) Sounds like a cute credit union, don't you think? Mm -hmm, Indeed. And I like that it has a saint in the name. Yeah. 
How can you go wrong with that? Okay, so in the source where I read about this, it starts to talk about how this particular partnership with Maggie could be seen as very beneficial for both the bank and Ethel. So the author was assuming that because Ethel was a black woman, that banks weren't giving out too many construction loans for her, if you catch my drift. Oh, very true. So making friends with Maggie was probably real handy. It reminds me of Dorothy May. Mm Mm-hmm. Episode 22. Yes. That's pretty smart. Yes. And you're right. It also reminded me of episode 22, Dorothy May, who worked with banks to help revitalize and improve neighborhoods in the underrepresented communities. So through this partnership with the bank, Ethel was able to do business and bring in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a photo that I'll be sure to include in our show notes for sure, because I have it in front of me, is this photo of Ethel attending this conference called the Hamptons Institute Annual Builders Conference. I'm not sure if this is everyone in attendance, but Ethel is the only lady. Uh, Okay, I just saw the photo and she looks a little bit uncomfortable. Like the seat was too small or the guys were too close to her or something. Yeah, she so looks just like really smashed in there between them. <laughs> I mean, good yeah. for her. I'm really glad she's here and she's representing, but like, yeah. <laughs> but she's looking away from the camera like she's a little out of place or scared or something. Right. <laughs> to me, it's like she walked into the room and she didn't mean to, but she like stayed there because it was awkward to leave. So she's like, oh, I guess I guess here I am now. I guess I'm in this photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what you're right lizzie good for her she's representing yes, Go ethel that's right ethel you do belong there don't feel awkward <laughs> yeah yeah so maybe she was uncomfortable for being the only one again it's just what's important to note is that there is a photo yes. and it's displaying her as the only one. Right. So, I mean, we're uncomfortable, so I'm sure she was uncomfortable. I mean, we're making <laughs> a lot of assumptions, but we are. We are. But, but I mean, it's a very interesting photo to look yes. at. But anyway. Listener, goes to the show notes, look at the picture. Tell us your thoughts. Yes. Okay, so now we're going to move to the 1940s. Ethel is in her 50s. And she would take classes at the Chicago Technical College to formally get her architecture certification. Neat, right? Yes. Finally, it just happened to me, sang Ethel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she is now has a degree. Finally. And we're going to talk a little bit more about <laughs> these 200 projects that she worked on. Okay, so like I mentioned, Ethel designed churches. She designed the St. James Baptist Church on the west side of Richmond. She designed the Mount Nebo Baptist Church in the east side of Richmond. She basically designed churches all over Richmond. Some are even included in the National Register of Historic Places. Wow! How many of them are still standing today? Quite a few, but I don't have a finite number for you. Adventures! Yeah! Yes. I also need to say that she designed a church in Liberia, Africa. That's all I could tell you about it. Yep. I will say that one of the projects that she did was Richmond's Old City Hall. And what was great about this was that Ethel was alive to see this project become listed on the Virginia Landmarks Register, the National Register of Historic Places, and it's designated as a National Historic Landmark. Okay, wait. I feel like you skipped over the church in Liberia. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Like, 
just a random mm-hmm. commission that showed up one day. Hello, ma'am. I came all the way from Liberia to ask you to build a church for us. Hasn't that happened to you, Lizzie? No, has it happened to you? <laughs> Tell me about all your projects in Liberia, Nurjiti. <laughs> we'll make a shirt about it. <laughs> okay. All right. So back to the city hall, though. I didn't I don't want to skip over that, but I just I <laughs> had to ask about Liberia. Okay. City hall. That's really cool, though, that she got to see it listed on the register and know that it was going to be preserved. Yes. Yeah, that does sound like such a high honor. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. So that was really cool. All right. So on February 24, 1976, at the age of 83, Ethel would pass away. (gasps) Ten years after her death, there would be a park named in her honor. Nice. Another arc venture. Sounds like Ethel lived a good long life and that she was able to do a lot of interesting projects. Ethel is an inspiration. There should be books written about her. Little kids, architects in the making need to learn and be inspired by her work and trajectory. I am so happy I learned about her today. Yes, me too. And a note in my research that I think is worth mentioning is that Ethel is noted to have been able to develop several Richmond neighborhoods. And I keep mentioning these like 200 projects, but she very much could have made less or more because there are still some questioning about the authorship of these projects because some of those projects that she did, Ethel had to register them under male colleagues. Remember? Mm. So like sexism, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Imagine her have more projects than Oscar Neymeyer and we just don't know. That's right. Mm -hmm. I will believe this to be truth now. (laughs) All right, y'all. Now we have reached the second half of our episode, the karyotid. So, Najidi, can you remind us what a karyotid is, please? You got it, chica. A karyotid (laughs) is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. For each episode, we choose a karyotid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through her work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. So, this week's character goes to... <laughs> April Drake! April! Yeah. Okay, so April... She is another character that I thought I would have mentioned her already because she's done so many great things. But I'm happy because she is a character that I've I've actually met and spoken uh, with her a couple of times during my stay in Virginia. Oh, exciting. That's cool. When you've met the character in person, it's like, you know, a celebrity. Yes, exactly. She's very cool. I've when I've seen her, it's because she's either attended like the same networking events or she's actually spoken at the said networking events. Okay, so April Drake, she is an architect based out of Arlington, Virginia. She is the senior project architect at the firm HDR. And at HDR, April works on educational, government and commercial projects. On her firm's website, they gave this stat. April has designed more than 500,000 square feet of public and private sector spaces, including local and national projects. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that is a lot of square feet. (laughs) Right? It reminds me a little bit of Ethel and her 200 projects. 
April, she is very active in her local AIA chapter. She has also served at the AIA Nova or Northern Virginia Women in Architecture Committees. I love this. I can definitely see connections to Ethel and how they're just both so prolific in their work. Yeah, that's great to see that she's so involved and so committed to creating positive change, just like Ethel was. Guys, before we stop, Mm -hmm. I have an impromptu Agora. Let's visit the Agora. We want to share amazing news that we've been wanting to share for a while. We want to congratulate Manita Alrabe for starting her yes. very own firm. Yay! Yay! It is called Maidan Collective. It is a multidisciplinary design studio. Their aim is to improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the highest standards in design. The studio specializes in providing design solutions in many different fields, including residential, commercial, and cultural projects. Maidan Collective aspires to provide efficient, beautiful, and functional spaces that embrace culture and respond to the client's needs. So if that sounds like it's for you, check them out, maidancollective.com. Where are they based out of Nigeria? They are based out of Kuwait. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Congrats, Manita. What an achievement. Yes. We love celebrating your accomplishments, big or small, starting your own firm, getting a new position. We just want to celebrate your wins because good times all around. So be sure to send good things or good news to us email them to us at shebuildspodcasts at gmail.com all right so before we say see you later we want to give thanks to cmyk for the music and john w our technical producer and most of all i want to thank you all for listening we also want to give a shout out to our merch so that you guys can go and buy it yeah remember to check out our show notes for links to all of our resources on this episode as well as pictures of the projects that we've talked about yes we hope you enjoyed learning about ethel and april along with our banter and that you're inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies again thank you she Builds Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, you have supportive fathers, your contractors. Give us five stars on iTunes and Spotify. Write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Bye. 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 Adios. Guys, super tangent and John W. Delete this. designers and curious minds ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls 
I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if, if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers, if you like. <laughs> the official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tails behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today.